Welcome in, everybody. Merry Christmas. This is the Glass City Game Time Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Christen, and this week we are joined once again, off of vacation, by the way, credit to Kyle for coming in, Blade Sports writer Kyle Rowland. How's it going, Kyle? Good. Happy to chip in and talk football. Yeah, little Buckeye football, and a Merry Christmas goes out to all of our listeners. We appreciate you tuning in this week on a holiday week, and we hope you all have a happy and safe holiday. Kyle mentioned it, Ohio State football, they are back in the college football playoff. They will be also back playing a familiar opponent in the Clemson Tigers. Clemson at number two, Ohio State number three. January 1st, New Year's Day, the All-State Sugar Bowl. If you thought because we're East Coast and so is Clemson that we're getting an early kick, you were mistaken. An 845 kick on ESPN. Clemson right now is seven and a half point favorite. And Kyle, just like I said, a familiar opponent for Ohio State. And in their last four matchups, Clemson is 4-0, and meaning Ohio State 0-4. And, and in the last eight years, we talked before the podcast started here, uh, Ohio State just hasn't found success against Clemson, and it's all been pretty recently. Yeah, it's actually the whole state of South Carolina. I'll be writing about that here later uh, before the game. 0-6 all time. Uh, 0-2 against the Gamecocks, 0-4 against uh, Clemson. So just a little interesting quirk. Uh, but Ohio State has played no team more than Clemson without beating them. It's the only team they're 0-4 against all time. Uh, in all four games, I don't the, – the, the 13 Orange Bowl isn't exactly historic, but I don't know. It kind of, you know, a springboard launching to the national title the next year. Uh, Braxton Miller's last game at quarterback, and it was a game Ohio State absolutely should have won, kind of melted down in the second half some. Yeah, obviously you have the famous Woody Hayes, Charlie Baum, and Punch. You have a 31-0 Clemson win and a playoff game in the Fiesta Bowl a few years back. And then last year, just an all-time classic. And will probably be, you know, whether you want to call gut-wrenching, heartbreaker, whatever, it's just like the biggest what-if this scenario, I think, in Ohio State's history. Unbelievable team last year, just couldn't get it done. A couple calls went their way. Still should have won the game without that. You know, you're up 16 nothing. Uh, but just an amazing game, uh, and hopefully we're all in for another great game this year. It could be a classic, and certainly last year's was in, in many ways, shapes, and forms, and if you're an Ohio State fan, you might disagree with that. But it's no secret that going into this year's game, there's going to be no shortage of motivation for Ohio State, and maybe with some of the players, and Ryan Day may have said something or will say something around this, that sting kind of from last year, the sting of that defeat from last year could be still lingering a bit. So how about some of those motivation factors? You know, you talk about the winless against Clemson. We talked about last year's game, but how do you feel Ohio State's mentally prepared for this? Because it seems like this is more of the same, but how can it not be more of the same this time around? Yeah. I mean, this is what they've been gunning for all year. I mean, getting back to the playoff, winning a national title. Sure but also Clemson. Like, that is the big target. I mean, 365 days a year at Ohio State, 366 this year since it was a leap year. Um, Michigan is the absolute focus of that program or whatever. But Clemson really hasn't been far behind in, in 2020. I mean, ever since they got home from Phoenix last year, 
been all about avenging that game. Uh, the the famous you know picture that everyone's going to remember is Chris Olave and Justin Fields doing the surrender cobra after uh, throwing the interception. Um, they just really felt like they had the better team. I think they probably did have the better team, and and really you know squandered it. Um, Mickey Marotti, you know from January to March was all about Clemson. They had the score inside the football facility, 29 to 13 or 29 to 23. Um, and then Dabo Sweeney gives them a little bit of uh, bulletin board material by voting them 11th in the final coaches poll, which is something else. I mean, I'll give him credit a for just having the guts to do it when you know it's going to be made public and kind of sticking to his guns all year. He's made a huge point about the more games you play, the more he kind of respects the team. So I guess he really meant it uh, by that vote. And we know it was his vote because he's said in the past that he does not let other people do his voting. He is the one who sits down and fills out his ballot. So there definitely is, is all sorts of motivation. Um, and clearly when you're in the college football playoff, you're going to be motivated whether you're playing – Clemson or Kansas. Uh, but I, I think there is a little added, you know, th- stuff to it. Having a team you haven't beat the way last season went, you know, Dabo's words and actions. Um, so it'll be a hungry Ohio State team under your day. I brought up the spread earlier. Clemson is favored by seven and a half, what I have in front of me here, over under 65 and a half. Since 2012, when Urban took over, Ohio State 7-1 against the spread as an underdog, but that one loss coming in last year's Fiesta Bowl against Clemson. Clemson, you mentioned it, the two, the two previous defeats here for Ohio State, 31-0 in 2016, 29-23 last year in a controversial fashion. And that motivation factor, I think, is the big thing with a lot of reasons. And now you circle in the whole uh, voting 11th by Davos Swinney, which some would take that as disrespect. Some would take that as petty. Some would take that as a sign of respect. I'm not sure which of the three it is, but what have the Buckeyes said about that in that kind of clashing of not just the poll, but also just the clashing of familiarity of, okay, this is a team that's been there, done that. We're a team that should be there and doing that. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, what, what are Ohio State and Ryan Day saying about all this? Yeah, I mean, they, they haven't been shy about saying they want Clemson or, or they're at least, you know, embracing this. Uh, and they talked openly in the spring about the score and Mickey Marotti using that as motivation in offseason workouts. Uh, the day the game was announced, you know, Ryan Day kind of talked about all that and, and that this is something that they've been waiting for. And then obviously the – the viral Ryan Day video uh, in the post-game locker room after the Big Ten championship game that Demario McCall, uh, for some reason, recorded and, and let go public. You know, Ryan Day saying that whoever they play in the playoff, they're going to beat their expletive. Um, so that, there's there's no doubt that they've been open about Clemson, but it, it's not been you know, bluster or being, you know, outspoken or whatever. Like, I don't think Ohio State's been disrespectful. Um, But I I assume Clemson's been the same way. I mean, obviously I haven't covered them all year or whatever, but I'm sure they embrace playing Ohio State. They want to play Ohio State. 
Uh, they've beaten them, so certainly there's there's that point of it. But when you're one of the best teams in the country and you go and play for a Clemson or Ohio State or an Alabama, I mean, those are the teams you want to play in the postseason. Um, you don't want to face, you know, a Cinderella or whatever. You want to face the big boys and the teams with the best talent and the best coaching. You want the brightest lights. They're going to have that at the primetime kickoff and the Superdome. Um, as you mentioned earlier, I mean, I, there's a reason Ohio State is always like the night game when they play in the playoff, and it's because more people watch them than any other program in the country. Mm-hmm. So how did Ohio State get here? Well, after winning five games in the regular season and not meeting the Big Ten's criteria of playing six games to qualify for the Big Ten championship, the Big Ten said, well, actually, and Ohio State got in the Big Ten championship, they play against Northwestern, they're down 10-6 to six at half, they shut the Wildcats out in the second half and score 16, they win 22-10. to 10. Was, the, was the first half play in particular, and maybe – even in that whole Big Ten championship, Justin Fields said his hand was injured after the game. Ryan Day said since that he'll he'll be fine. Is Ohio State's play in that game against Northwestern a cause of concern going into this playoff game? Yes and no. I mean, anytime you don't play well, it's concerning. But, I mean, teams do have games where they don't play well. Like, you, you can't be expected to play perfect every game. But, I mean – they have to play their best game of the year to beat Clemson. I don't think there's any doubt about that. They've got to be sharper than they have been. Uh, I mean, I think a, a, a difficult, you know, underrated thing for Ohio State is only playing six games. Like, I think that's a big deal. Um, I mean, Reese Davis, he, who, who I like a lot, you know, keeps pushing this narrative of, oh, man, Ohio State's going to be fresher than everyone. they got a big advantage. I think it's the complete opposite. Like they've only played six times and they haven't always played good in those six games. And it's not a coincidence. Like it's difficult. Like you can't simulate a game in practice as much as practice is important or whatever. It's just different than a game. I mean, Ryan day would much rather have played 12 games right now than have played six. So I just think it's odd that people are kind of making a big deal out of that. Um, I mean, they've had COVID issues. They got to have all hands on deck for this game. They cannot be missing, you know, starters, I guess I should say. I think that'll make it way harder to beat Clemson. Um, But as far as, like, the Big Ten title game, I mean, is Fields play concerning? Yeah. But on the other hand, Trey Sermons was not concerning. (laughs) That'd be a positive. I mean, if if he goes off in the playoff, I mean, I think he's going to have to be a key part of what Ohio State does and how far they go. Uh, And the defense, I mean – Northwestern's offense, not good, and certainly nothing like Clemson's, but it's encouraging that Ohio State played well for them. Um, And and confidence. They can gain their confidence from that stuff. Justin Hilliard stepped up big. Uh, So you can kind of look at it several ways, but certainly Ohio State's got to play much better in the postseason. Yeah, you have to credit Northwestern's defense. They had the 14th-ranked pass D in the country. Clemson's 27th, by the way, uh, for those that are keeping track. And I'm not trying to take anything away from Northwestern and the competitive football they played in the first half, but something just didn't seem right about Ohio State, and particularly Justin Fields is what I was getting at here. But the performance by Trey Sermon obviously superseded anything and, and maybe even, I don't want to say saved Ohio State's season, but it certainly took the stress off of that team 
uh, late in the second half. Sermon sets the Buckeye single season game record for rushing yards. How big of a factor do you think he could be against Clemson? Uh, I mean, a big one. I mean, I, I've been one of Trey Sermon's biggest supporters, I would say, since he transferred in, in March. I just, I think his skill set is good. I think it's suited perfectly to what Ohio State and Ryan Day want to do. Uh, I mean, he was pretty solid at Oklahoma. Um, and people kind of wanted to knock his total yardage, you know, earlier in the season. And, yeah, he wasn't as big a part of the offense as I thought he was going to be. But he's still entering the Big Ten title game, was averaging over six yards per carry. He had over 100 yards against Michigan State. Like, he was still really solid and productive. And then, obviously, in the Big Ten title game, it kind of changed everyone's kind of thoughts on him. So, I mean, I think he can be a big part of the offense, certainly rushing but also catching the ball. You remember back to 2014, not saying this is going to happen or that it is like a prerequisite, but everyone remembers Cardell Jones, but Ezekiel Elliott in the Big Ten title game went off against Wisconsin. Against Alabama, went off. Against Oregon, went off. I mean, he was a huge – he was the catalyst to that whole run. And, you know, maybe Trey Sermon is that guy who does it this year. We mentioned before that Ohio State was missing 22 players from that Big Ten championship game. And there are issues with COVID-19 in the Buckeyes locker room, as a lot of people know by now. Big Ten has a policy that says, hey, 21 days, lay low. You can't do any football stuff, basically. Are any of the COVID-19 issues that Ohio State has faced going to bleed into the preparation for this playoff game? Yeah, well, they're knocking that down to 17 games. Um, and that's across all sports, not just football. Uh, but, I mean, Chris Olave, he's going to be back for the Sugar Bowl. It, it does hamper a little bit, you know, perhaps their preparation because it's not like he can just return to practice immediately. Um, and I, I still just think you got to be nervous if you're Ohio State because clearly, like, the virus is in their football facility. And, like, once it's in, it doesn't just, like, magically disappear. Uh, so there's reason to believe that, you know, perhaps other people could test positive in the time between now and the game. And if they do, then they're for sure not going to be playing in the, against Clemson. Uh, but, you know, all the people that miss the Big Ten title game should be back. I think Baron Browning is another guy, Ohio State linebacker, second leading tackler. Uh, he wasn't too missed against Northwestern, but he's a really athletic, good player that will help against Clemson. Um, but they just – I can't stress more. They just need all hands on deck for that game, especially offensively, because um, they're going to have to score. I mean, this, this is not going to be a low-scoring game, I don't think. So the, score, the scoreboard operator is probably going to get a little tired uh, on New Year's Day. If you can get his money's worth, that's what he's going to get. That's for sure. Um, I was watching the Fox Sports broadcast and with the trophy presentation afterward, and Joel Klatt, who's been Ohio State's biggest uh, horn sounder throughout the year, I would say, for Fox Sports, is on the stage with, you know, the Buckeyes team and Ryan Day. And I, I thought the same thing. Like, well, they just had a bunch of COVID cases. Like, why is he in the middle, in the, in the thick of that? Uh, I Couldn't be me is what I'm getting at here. That couldn't be me. But um, – We'll see. I hope that everybody can stay safe and within that program, and certainly without the program as well. But I hope everybody can stay safe throughout all of this. And 
it's a wild card, like you said, the virus doesn't magically leave the building. I mean, it's, it's lingering, and I'm sure they've done the cleaning and disinfecting and, you know, rub Purell and everything. I don't know how that works, but um, that's a tough scenario to navigate. And, uh, you know, with 22 players missing for the Big Ten title game, knock down the day limit to 17. We'll see how that works out for Ohio State. Um, I'm sure we'll be talking to you and our colleague David Briggs next week to preview the game in a more detailed manner, looking at X's and O's and stuff. But there's certainly a lot of uh, news nuggets surrounding not just Ohio State, but also this game in general. I mean, it's so juicy in many ways in the sense that there's these little plot lines everywhere and the dynamic of Trevor Lawrence versus Justin Fields, which we could talk about further down the road. But um, is there anything newsworthy or any other you know interesting thing that you wanted to add not a whole lot. I mean, my, my biggest nugget was uh, the offer the against the state of South Carolina. Um, you which is that early. Because Ohioans, like, take over the state of South Carolina every summer. I mean, Myrtle Beach is, like, their place. Um, but I don't know. I mean, it's just interesting how every year Ohio State's bowl game seems to be, like, the marquee game of the bowl season. Uh I mean, I, I think without question, this is the crown jewel of the postseason. Um, Alabama and Notre Dame carries a lot of cachet for sure. I mean, two just massive names and brands, but no. But what else <laughs> is there? I, I look. I, I'll put it this way: I'm not excited to watch Alabama, uh, Alabama Notre Dame personally. Yeah, no. I feel like I'll be watching maybe the first quarter, and that'll that'll be about all I need to see. Um, but. It's exciting. I mean, it's just, I don't know. The playoff is, is, is fun. It needs expanded to eight. We could probably spend a whole hour on that. Uh, but we'll, we'll see what happens this year. They've got four, uh, four good teams, four big brands, and people will definitely be watching. Well, hey, when it comes to the playoff, we got our wish, no Rose Bowl. <laughs> I mean, that's one thing that I was stunned about. I, I never dreamed that Ohio State was going to be in the Sugar Bowl. I thought for sure they'd be in Dallas. It makes sense now just because more fans and everything, and I get, like, your number one seed's going to want that. But I was totally – that was the biggest shocker of the day to me on Sunday. It was, oh, wait, Ohio State's in the uh, Sugar Bowl, not Dallas. Well, maybe they'll get to a bigger venue uh, should they go over Clemson. A lot of people are saying it's going to be close, you know, 3.7 point game, something within that, and uh, – it could go either way. Again, we got two dynamic quarterbacks, the top two projected in the NFL draft next year. So it's going to be exciting to talk about within certainly the next week and a half or so. Uh, Kyle, thanks for taking time out of your vacation week. We appreciate it for sure. And uh, we'll be talking, I'm sure, next week to preview the game. Sounds great. Thanks, Corey. There you go. With those of you listening, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. Thank you so much for listening into Glass City Game Time, not just in this episode but also throughout the year. It's been a tough year for all of us in many different ways. And we've done our best here, not to just keep the show going, but keep it interesting and be real about what's going on around us. I think I've said that all along and we've certainly done our best. I feel more things to come in 2021. We're excited to keep it rolling here on Glass City Game Time and here at The Blade. If you enjoyed this show or want to go back to listen to any of those previous episodes, there are plenty of ways to do so. You can check us out every week on ToledoBlade.com, on Blade News Slide, and on plenty of streaming services, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify. Just search Glass City Game Time and you will find us. So, for Kyle Rowland, my name is Corey Christen. This has been the Glass City Game Time Podcast. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and we'll talk to you next week.